Welcome to After All, a cross-generational podcast dedicated to discovering and rediscovering the social, political, and personal impact of The Mary Tyler Moore Show. I'm your host, Ariel Fisher. And I'm your co-host, Sylvia McCann. And welcome to the show, guys. Uh, this week, we're looking at episode seven of The Mary Tyler Moore Show. And for those of you not familiar or just joining us on this podcast, this lovely Modern Superior podcast, we are a mother and daughter duo who are taking a look at all things Mary Tyler Moore going through every single episode, one by one, of the show. Me for the first time. I and me for the second time, but many of them, it's been so long that it might as well be the first time. Really? So yeah. do you do you remember this episode or not at all? No, no. Uh, it, I I want to say not at all, but it's probably mostly, mostly not at mostly, mostly not at all. It's like little <laughs> little glimpses sort of come back, but it has been forty years. You have right. to, you know. So little bits and pieces here and there, but generally not remembering most no. of it. No, no. Well, this week. Uh, as I mentioned, we're looking at episode seven. Episode seven being called Toulouse-Lautrec is one of my favorite artists. So according to IMDb, the synopsis for this short episode is quite short. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> Mary accepts a date with a very short visiting author. That is literally all it says, which is pretty appropriate because that's basically what happens. But this week, uh, so Mary goes on a date with a visiting author, Ted Baxter, the news anchor of their news show, <laughs> is off sick. And so Murray Slaughter, who is, I guess, the writer for the show, yeah, uh, takes over. And Mary has to sit in to do an interview with this visiting author who has, uh, whose name is Eric Matthews. And in doing the interview, everything's going swimmingly, and mm -hmm. he's super charming and intelligent, and she's asking all of the right questions about his book on this great, huge, long tour he's been doing. And then he asks her out, and they stand up next to each other, and he's like five foot one to her five foot seven, and she <laughs> doesn't know what to and do. And she wants to, like, shrink. shrink. Instantly. Oh, yeah. Immediately. Um now we're watching this this episode and this is a really funny episode. We mm -hmm. had a great time with it. I could not stop thinking about an episode of Sex in the City. Um I don't know if you remember it all, but there was in season 3, episode 2 of Sex in the City, uh it's called Politically Erect and it's while Carrie is dating the politician who's played by John Slattery. Slattery. Yes. Of, uh, Mad of Mad Men fame. Yes. Who likes golden showers. Oh, yes. And, I do remember that. And Samantha yes. dates a little guy. Oh. She meets him at a bar and they're talking and he's like super in charge and powerful and domineering and exactly her equal. And then they Except stand up short. and he's like five foot one okay. to her five foot I, seven. I can't picture his face. He looks kind of like Andy Garcia. Oh. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, it might, might very be well be Andy, Andy Garcia. Garcia and they've just shortened him. I'm not sure. 
This guy, Eric Matthews, yes, is super charming. Like he, he's all things positive that Mary really, really likes. Oh yeah, and it, it's kind of a little disconcerting when she stands up and and you could just see her face kind of deflate, deflate. It's like this guy is perfect. Why does he have to be short? Yeah, which of course opens up all sorts of. Um, issues for discussion about why do we care exactly and why is the reverse okay why is it okay for a man to be taller than a woman by any um, amount yes and yet we can't seem to wrap our heads around a man being shorter no and the the actor's name is anthony alessandro alessandro who plays Jeff who Fenton, played, who's the short guy. Who's the short guy. Who's the short okay. guy. Who rocks her world like he's literally her perfect equal and shops at the little boy's department, not unlike, not uh, unlike Eric Matthews. Eric Matthews. Who had to take the emblem off. Well, why'd you take it off? It, it was a ducky. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Mary. Hi, Eric. I'll be right with you. Sorry I'm late, but I picked up this jacket today and I had to wait for them to take the emblem off the pocket. Oh, it's beautiful. Thanks. Where'd you get it? Robertson's. Oh, they have a marvelous men's shop. Yeah? I got this at the boy's department. <laughs> The stop and save. Well, that's a, a supermarket, isn't right. it? Right. You are talking to the world's greatest cook. Oh. And I wanted to watch that interview we did on the tube tonight, so I figured I'd cook dinner for you at your place. Sounds marvelous. All right, let's go. Listen, I don't care if you did get that at the boys' department. It's a great-looking jacket. Thank you. Why'd you take the emblem off? It was a ducky. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if this was an influence on that episode of Sex in the City, actually. Just with the way that they put everything forward and how, mm-hmm. you know, afraid of dating a shorter guy yeah. Samantha is. You know, you see that with Mary as well. And obviously this predates it. So I wouldn't be surprised if it was an influence. Yeah, it'd be interesting to know how much sort of uh, homework mm-hmm. they might have done for Sex in the City. Would they even touch this? I'd, or, yeah. I mean, I'd imagine a breakthrough show like Sex in the City would must take some of its influence from something from like the Mary Tyler Moore show. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it could be. Because it, in its own right, Sex in the City was revolutionary. You know, yeah. I, don't, I don't care what anybody thinks. That show did a lot for representations of women. It wasn't, you know, very diverse. That's no. fair. It was all white women, yeah. all fairly affluent, all yeah. living in, you know, New York. New York City. Yeah. But, you know, it represented women as sexual creatures and having a right to that sexuality. And mm-hmm. that in and of itself is remarkable. Is, is ground, and it certainly is and was groundbreaking. And they, they shatter a lot of taboos, a lot of things that, that people, women, didn't talk about. Mm-hmm. So, but back to our... Back our, to our Toulouse-Lautrec. <laughs> we, um, so it's interesting that Mary is embarrassed about the height differential. Mm-hmm. But when they come to actually discuss it, because he's actually quite comfortable with it, because he's oh, lived yeah. with it his whole life, and and he says, "Does my does my being short bother you?" And in fact, she says, "No, I'm bothered by my height." Yeah. So she takes it upon herself, as women always do. The hmm. blame is on me, not on you. Yeah. You know, you're not the jerk. I am. You're not, you're, you're, your lack of height is not a problem. My excessive height is a problem. Yeah. And it's like, no, it just is what it is. <laughs> well, how do you like them? <laughs> uh, what? My shoes. That's what you're looking at, isn't it? No, 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 I wasn't. I, I was, I was looking at the uh, floor. Mm-hmm. And the distance between it and my shoes. <laughs> really, I was 
I assure you, Mary, my feet do touch the floor whenever I walk. <laughs> It'll have to, wouldn't it? Right. I really have to talk to you, Mary, about something. The fact that I'm shorter than you really bothers you, doesn't it? No, it doesn't. <laughs> no, you're not self-conscious about my height? No, Eric, I'm not. I mean, when you and I are together, I'm not self-conscious about your height. I'm self-conscious about my height. <laughs> I mean, if I were an even five feet instead of five six. Honey, you're more than five six. All right, okay, I'm five seven. So I'm an inch or two taller than you are. You're four inches taller than I am. Does it bother you? What bother me? That you're one to four inches shorter than I am? <laughs> Honey, I made my peace with that years ago and they asked me to play Doc in the school play. I thought they were doing Mr. Roberts, but they were really doing Snow White. <laughs> And that, yeah, and that is interesting, because like yeah. you say, we as women tend to take the blame on ourselves. On ourselves. For whatever. For everything. Yeah. For anything and everything yeah. that goes wrong. Yeah. And I mean, I think socially, we and we've started to kind of break ourselves of that habit. Yeah. But at the time, that was still very much, you know, kind of omnipresent. So it makes sense mm -hmm. why she would be like, oh, no, I'm self-conscious of my height, as opposed to being, you know, conscious of his shortness. Right. But, it, you know, it, ultimately, I think what the episode kind of tries to get at, and this is what I found to be really remarkable about it, is that it's trying to put forward this idea that nobody should be self-conscious of any of, of the anything. things that are, neither of you are bad people, neither no. of you have done anything wrong. No. You're five foot seven, you're five foot one. You it's, like each other, you get along, you're well matched. I mean, for sure. In so, so who many cares? other ways. Yeah. It's, it, it's like somehow height... Is a is a proxy for success or for intelligence or mm -hmm. for beauty, whereas if you have brown eyes versus blue eyes, that's fine. It's it is what it is. We don't we don't put a judgment value on those kinds of things, yeah. but we do on height. It's stature, stature measured by stature. Yeah, it's, you know, and it's and it's. Height is a huge issue in various mm. different countries. In parts of China, there are people who get the uh, like leg extension surgery in order to be taller. in order to be taller yeah. because if you are taller, if you are above a certain height, you actually have more access to better job opportunities than if you're shorter. You make there is they they've and I I don't have the study in front of me obviously, but they've done studies that prove that there is a a direct correlation between height and earning potential mm -hmm. in parts of China and and various other parts of the world but think, China yeah. specifically has that that kind of surgery that they will get yeah. just to Which sounds brutal and it'll only Horrible. buy you anywhere from I think one to three inches or something Ooh. like that it's it's very it's not much no. I think that's even overshooting it I think it's only able to give you a, an inch or two but it's brutal it's brutal and the other thing with respect to height, and, and we're talking men here. Yeah. In women, it's it's not nearly as relevant. But uh, um, I forget where it came up in some or other thing that I was reading. And if you look at world leaders like American presidents or even prime ministers, mm -hmm. there's a dis the 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 tall ones are overrepresented. <laughs> um, so how, where does that even start? Are you tall, therefore you're more confident, therefore you go to the right schools, therefore you become more successful, and then you become president kind of thing. Yeah, I, I think, think there is an element of that. Oh, very much so. Yeah. Like being, you know, prettier in high school yeah. as opposed to being slightly overweight or yeah. less 
you know, conventionally attractive. There are mm-hmm. these things. And they discuss that, you yeah. know, when he starts his his other mem- his other manuscript right. and gets her to read it. And he's called it the title of the show, which is Toulouse-Lautrec is one of my favorite artists because that's what Mary says to him on their date. And, and she he, was embarrassed to yeah. realize that he actually heard it and picked up on it. Exactly. And must have liked it because it was Because it clever. wasn't. Exactly. And... You know, he in this new manuscript, he's talking about that, how growing up short changed so many things for him Mm -hmm. and for other people in his life and around him and just the differences in the way that people interact. Right. So because like I and thinking about that, I mean, for myself in high school, I had I had a well, especially in more so in elementary school. And you remember this. I didn't get a, I, nobody liked me. I was very unpopular. And I was, you know, I was the ugly girl because I didn't look like any of the other girls. Because you had my curly hair. I'm so sorry. No, don't be sorry. I love my curls now. I know. And, you know, I think quite like the way Rhoda and, and Eric discuss it. Yeah. Those aspects of growing up, you know, not the captain the of the football team, not the head cheerleader like right. Mary, growing up on the fringe changes the way you see the world. It changes mm-hmm. your perspective on things. Absolutely. What's the book about? It's all about being short. Mary, couldn't you be a little more delicate? I mean, he's got feelings too, you know. But no, Rhoda, that is the whole point. That is exactly my point. My point is that everybody feels left out. They're stuck with something like shortness. Yeah, right? but like some people, shortness is tallness. What? Well, uh, you'd have to read the... Tell her about it, Eric. Did you get to the high school part? No, not yet. Let's talk about that high school part. I don't usually like to throw this around, but I happen to be a high school graduate. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. Here is my theory. Now, in every high school, there is a guy who is captain of the football team, right? Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. He is also student body president. Yes, of course. Right. Always. Now, he's going with this girl uh-huh. who is head cheerleader. She's also most popular, right? And she's also senior class secretary, right? Yes. Okay, now these two people are deliriously happy. Now, in every high school in the country, there are two happy people and everybody else is miserable. Right. Yeah, it's like being short, right? Right. I've got a confession here. When I was in high school, I had a problem like shortness. Try and guess what it was. You were a fat kid. That's close, shorty. (laughs) Do you know what it's like for a girl to be overweight? You know what it's like for a guy to be under height? (laughs) I got all the jobs nobody else wanted. Uh, Science editor of the school newspaper. Business manager of the yearbook. Ah, what were you, Mary? Why don't don't I just uh, heat up some coffee? Mary, I'd, I'd really rather not say. Come on, it can't be that bad. It's worse. I was head cheerleader. And most popular. Oh. Eric, I'm so glad you're here. She does this to me all the time. She tries to make me feel guilty for having been happy in high school. You're the first person I ever met who could handle her. That's her subtle Midwestern way of saying she thinks we're meant for each other. Okay, let's see if we are. I was assistant equipment manager for the wrestling team. What kind of equipment do they have? Very little. Oh. <laughs> I played the bass drum in the marching band. Mm, you think that's bad? I couldn't get a date to go to the senior prom. Did you get asked? Yes. Ha-ha! Four years after I graduated. <laughs> hey, what did you get for a graduation gift? Socks. I got a belt buckle. <laughs> Mary, what did you get? Oh, uh, a car. What? <laughs> a car. Ooh. No, no, wait a minute. It was an old car with second hand. Uh, one of the doors wouldn't even open. Did it run? Uh, yes. Oh, yes. No, but <laughs> hey, so, you know, I wouldn't have changed that. Were you, how were, were you popular in high school? Oh, God, no. 
<laughs> I was the immigrant kid. That, you I were, was the immigrant. You were the immigrant? I was the kid with the accent. Um, and I guess he would have still, because you came, you came to Canada from, from, from Buenos Aires. From Buenos Aires. From Buenos Aires. I in came in 1968. 19, and you so were 13? I was 13. They made me skip a grade. I came at the end of the school year. Of grade seven, grade seven. I had just started grade <clears throat> seven in Argentina, okay. and I went to ESL class, and that was the end of the school year. And then in September, they put me into grade eight, so I essentially didn't do grade seven. Okay, and um, and then I went on from there. And while I could speak English, I imagine at that point it was still relatively rudimentary. I understood, and everything was fine, mm-hmm. but. Uh, immigration was uh, was relatively uh, rare in these parts, um, like in this part of Canada, in this part of Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, and while I fit in as far as as the um, the ethnic makeup of the schools, because it was ninety seven percent Jewish, mm-hmm. I was the Jewish kid from Argentina. So that's very different. Yeah, fair. Um, and I remember one of the things I remember very clearly is um, coming to, and this was in junior high, and walking to the school. Maybe my mother took me. I don't remember. And I was wearing uh, um, this woolly dress that my grandmother had sewn for me. And all these girls, keep in mind, this was 1968. Mm-hmm. So all the girls were wearing day glow, bright polyester mini dresses with little matching purses and with long straight hair and they yeah. looked so fab and I was like I am never going to fit in this group oh, so no. so the then the then then the 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 sidestep is I may not fit in physically or socially but I'm really smart so my intelligence and my my good grades are the things that are going to make me be happy with myself there you go don't cry. It's okay. I'm not crying. I'm just looking at you in awe because now I know where I get it. <laughs> or at least I know where I try to get it from. But yeah, so you, you kind of, you, you have to look at things in what are my alternatives? Am I going to be miserable because I don't fit? Or am I going to find things that I'm good at and, and run with that? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what you do. Yeah. And I think Rhoda and... Shorty. Shorty. And Shrev. Kind of... Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> they they kind of play off on each other in their little yeah. conversation about they were trying to outdo each other in who got the worst crappy high school extracurricular activities, like the assistant equipment manager for, for the, the wrestling, wrestling team. team. Did they have a lot of equipment? Uh, no, very little. Very little. <laughs> so you know that that kind of stuff, which is funny, and that's that's what you yeah. do, and you can laugh about it as an adult. At the time, it's miserable. Oh yeah, I'm sure at the time it was terrible for them, mm-hmm. and I'm sure even for you, looking back now at what it was like for you when you were in in middle school and high school, yeah. it's you know you can you can laugh at the way it was then now. And you can kind of look back on it with strength and fortitude and what have you. But at the time. At the time, it wasn't. Once I got into high school and one, you know, especially in the older grades, um, you kind of, you you, you fall into a particular crowd Mm -hmm. and and it's fine. But I wasn't in, you know, uh, I I wasn't an (laughs) A-lister. I was maybe a C-lister as far as 
popularity. Yeah, I was good in I was good in school because that's who I am. Yeah, and I enjoyed uh, many different aspects of high school, but the kinds of things that are traditional like sports, mm-hmm. I was not very good at. Um, and you never went to school with any of with either of your siblings. No, because you were. Well, because Dora was was already off and married. Correct. And Claudia was too young. Right. So we all went to the same high school, but not at the same time. No. Yeah. So, and that must have changed things too, because you get that in high school. Like, because I, Derek and I are, my brother and I are four years apart. And I was always there within a, like, when I started in grade one, Derek was in grade four. Right. So everybody in the older grades knew who I was because of him. I was little Derek. That's what everybody called me. <laughs> so there's that So you had an entryway. I had an entryway, but at the same time I had a barrier. Why? Because Why everybody knew me as his little sister instead uh, of as my own individual human uh, being. So I also had that self imposed barrier of well, if Derek's this popular, I have to be too, or why can't I be, or mm-hmm. why don't I get along with people the same way? And it kind of creates these subconscious barriers as to... I'm not as good? Yes, and okay. what you think you are capable of, and what you think you can achieve, or how you can change, or how you can be. Like for you, going to school and kind of going, well, I'm never going to look like that, I'm never going to be like that, but mm-hmm. I have my intelligence, yeah. and I have good grades, and I can be that, I can do that. Yeah. You know, I it, for me, it was always just the things that I can't do uh, because of comparing myself. To Derek. Oh, yeah. And the way that people saw me. And you guys are so different. Like, your personalities oh, yeah. are, are very, very different. Mm-hmm. So why why would you want to be like him? Not not that there's anything wrong with him, but why do you want to be... <laughs> why do you want to be like my other child? I don't understand Just you. be yourself. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. And I never understood what that meant. Okay. To this day, I still struggle with the notion of self. Like, what... But you we know, all do. I, I, I'm starting to learn that. We all do. It's like the facade Until of adulthood. the day we die. Yeah. I don't think anybody... You know why people say just be yourself? Yeah. And just be comfortable in your own skin? Yeah. I don't know that any of us are ever that comfortable in our own skin all the time under all circumstances at any stage in our life. No. And that's one thing that's in... Like you see that in... I mean, it's television. It's fake. But you do see that in this episode that Eric has become incredibly confident in his self, himself, as this this man of five foot one. He's accepted his fate. Yes. And accepted himself. Like in all of it, like this is what I am. This is who I am. This is what and who I'm going to be. It's very zen. It is. This whole concept of acceptance. Exactly. Yeah. And, And you see it with Mary as well, although I think she still very much struggles with the confidence in herself. I think, well, and it's funny because she has, she rolled all the dice in her favor. Oh, yeah. She's tall. She's beautiful. She's smart. She's funny. She's funny. She's independent. She has the greatest wardrobe. She's got the greatest wardrobe. I want to dress like, well, I wanted to dress like her then, and I still want to dress like her. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's timeless. And she was, as they jokingly said, the cheerleader. The head cheerleader. The head cheerleader and the secretary of the school you know the she had the glamorous jobs she had the glamorous jobs and and she's embarrassed about them because she has to you know be upfront about it in Mm -hmm. front of the loser kids of her friend rhoda and her friend eric yeah and it's it's kind of a, a a backwards thing yep 
Very much so. And Revenge it, uh, of the Nerds. Completely. Revenge of the Nerds. Completely. <laughs> Which still, every time I think about that movie, I'm still shocked you let me see that when I was seven years old. I know. <laughs> Mother of the year. But with this whole idea about because it, I mean, aside from these notions of, you know, self-assuredness and confidence, you also get this idea of, you know, the, the levels and boundaries of attraction. Mm-hmm. And I hate to say it, but I do kind of understand why a person's height, why certain physical things would hinder you from necessarily being attracted to them. Like sometimes it might, sometimes it wouldn't. Yeah. Um, you know, again, thinking about that uh, that episode of Sex in the City as well, where it's really, and you see that in Samantha as well, which is kind of strange. Her height is, or, well, actually, no, I guess you do kind of get an inversion, whereas here you have Mary who's self-conscious about her height and is unsure if she can, you know, put her height aside in order to feel attracted to this man. Right. <clears throat> With Samantha, it's the polar opposite. She's very aware of his shortness and immediately has in her mind this idea that I could never be attracted to somebody like that. It's like a right. it's like a visor that comes down over her eyes and she can't quite lift it up until eventually she does and it's other things that derail the relationship. Right. But have you ever had something like that affect or hinder? I mean... Where it's, where it's a, a physical deterrent or attribute that makes me think I'm not attracted to that person well I mean even like specifically Carrie you've always been taller than Carrie well no I think he's I think he's shrunk over time (laughs) he is in his 70s so does it bother me really not no it it does not and I don't have a problem wearing heels well I have a problem wearing heels but not for that reason (laughs) (laughs) I have a problem wearing heels because my feet hurt but I do not have a problem wearing heels when we go out Okay. And he's confident enough that it's not a it, it's really not a problem. No. And does it make him less attractive to me? No. No. And it never has. No. 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 I don't think I don't yeah, I don't think height would ever bother me that much. No. But but then again, I'm five foot five, so I'm not exactly there yeah. aren't that many people who that many men who are that much shorter than me. You no. know, it helps that Bob is like no. six feet. Yeah. But you know. Yeah, and so it, it's never, it, and it's interesting, so I have I have friends, like husband-wife couple, mm-hmm. and they're both very tall, Yeah, and she's almost as tall as him, and I think she's one of those tall girls who, as a, as a, as a separate item, not in relation to men, but as a standalone item, mm-hmm. very tall women tend to not um, accentuate their height by wearing heels, yeah. and all of that, and I think... Ah, oh, just go to town. But that also, and that comes from a totally different place. Yes, at least. it does. And that's from like from things that I've discussed with Jenna, who one of my best friends. Jenna is uh, she's I want to say five foot eight. Is she five seven five eight? Like she's tall. She's taller than me. Okay. But she, you know, when we were in university, you know, she'd meet guys at bars who would be like, "Oh, you could totally be on my volleyball team," or like, "Oh, you're so tall, you could totally play basketball." And like just saying these weird fucking things to her about, you know, her height height. that makes her feel so self-conscious. And so she wouldn't wear heels or she'd refrain from it because the last thing, you know, she'd want to do is be called a giraffe again. And and that's happened. And I was there for those kinds of things. And it's, you know, for someone like me, if I'm wearing heels, then it's, oh, wow, you're tall. But it's not, 
I'm not a tall person putting on heels being infinitely taller. Like that puts you like, on the spotlight almost as much as, as if you were, you know, five feet. And it's like, who cares? Well, exactly. And I think if you want to wear heels or you want to wear flats and you're super tall and you're super short. Just go to town. Just go to town. Do what you want. Enjoy. And you see that with Mary as well. Is that like she takes off her shoes and starts walking around the apartment real funny. Like slouching. In a very funny way. And Rhoda catches her and is just like, oh, you know. But yeah. And I think also that, you know, it's something that's starting to change a little bit kind of generationally that you have. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Like women weren't supposed to be too tall. They weren't supposed to call too much attention to themselves right. unless it was in the right ways, which are largely superficial ways. And now things are starting to change. Women are caring less. So they're, you know, they may be taller and wearing heels because, well, That's fuck you if you have a problem with that. Because I like the way I look in heels. Exactly. And really hammering home that idea of the things that make you feel beautiful, whether it's wearing flats or wearing heels or wearing a dress Should or wearing irrelevant. overalls. Yeah. Or a burlap sack, for all anybody cares. You do what makes you feel beautiful and damn anybody else for thinking about it. And that you're doing that for you. Absolutely for you. And then if there are men who have, who like you and are attracted to you as you are, Mm -hmm. bonus. And if some guy says you look like a giraffe, then you know you can show him the door. Well, exactly. Because who needs that? No. But it's it's still also, I find, kind of a... um, almost a bit of a of an age issue as well like i'm now almost 30 and oh my god I'm, no you're not oh my god i'm still your baby no. i promise <laughs> but don't be 30 please don't be 30 well <laughs> and you're how old are you now uh 12 you're 12 okay cool <laughs> i'm um, 62 almost so at the age of 62 you give approximately negative five fucks for what anybody thinks of you. <laughs> you will do what that, you want, that, wear that, what you that's, want. That's about right. Yeah. yeah. I'm at maybe about, you know, positive five fucks. I'm not quite at zero fucks given, mm-hmm. but I'm getting there. Mm-hmm. Because, but when I was a teenager, it was no, but the, that's, so that's not the case. Normal. When you're a teenager, the thing you care about the most is what people think of you. Oh, yeah. That is number one on the list of big deal things and letting go of it is very difficult and i find that that's something that comes with age yes it does that the older you get yeah. the more confident you do get in what yep. that definition of self is yeah and how to and it can be and it is by definition unique you yeah. don't have to fit in with any one person and i think the not fitting in in itself is very it's very liberating to mm-hmm. say Yes, I am. I am a snowflake. I am unique. <laughs> I'm sorry for using I'm that I'm a phrase. precious little snowflake. Pre- I am not precious at all, but I am pretty unique. Yeah. I, you know, the the things that made me who I am today are a combination of genetics, environment, circumstances, and a million other tiny little things. Mm-hmm. And this is who I am now, and and I'm okay with that. Yeah. So. And damn you if you don't like it. Not even. I don't care enough to be angry or to say, damn you, or to say, you don't like it, that's okay. Yeah. I do. That's what matters. I hope one, one day I'll get there. I'm, <laughs> I'm at the, if you don't like it, tough shit kind of phase, yeah, as opposed to the, if yeah. you don't like it, that's fine. You must release your anger. I know. You must be release zen. your anger. I wanted to mention a co- two very quick things before we what things? wrap up. Um, vanity, men's vanity. Oh. Because there were a couple of things 
Murray. Yeah. Um, oh, with the hair. St- yeah. Murray with the hair. <laughs> so Murray is bald and Murray has to step in and do the news for Ted. And Ted has a nice head of hair. So Murray wears this really, really awful rug uh, to oh, do the terrible. news. And it's it looks terrible. like a helmet. Oh, my God. It's awful. <sighs> and, uh, and, he's, and he's trying to call attention to this mop on top of his head in a way that is, is quite funny and I think it kind of goes along with the theme of men's vanity because yeah. being short, it, it, it would also draw attention to your, to a man's wish to be taller. Yeah. Uh, and here's Murray trying to be uh, hairful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then the other thing that sort of, as a, as, as a very weird little to do, mm-hmm. they, they misedited that uh, taped interview and left at the very end the moment when eric asks mary out but right. they subbed in murray in mary's place and so eric asks out murray right and they left it and all then, in and there. they left it all in and it was cute and funny in today's world i don't know that you could get away with that because it would be offensive to the gay community probably, probably. to make fun of something like that yeah and i and I'm actually kind of amazed even in that because basically that suggestion that the implication there is that Eric is gay and he's asking out Murray who is also gay. Right. And that it's just an ordinary exchange. And they have like this was in 1970. Yeah. On mainstream television, primetime right. television in fact. That's like they but don't I, say it no, and they don't I really deal with it. But that's don't. but that's the implication. I know, but it's also an implication it is and it isn't because I think I don't think it's nearly as advanced as as uh, where you as place I'm reading it, it as you're reading it. I think I'm reading it as as making fun of a funny situation. Yeah. Whereas in today's where we're reading it from 2017, yes. we're seeing it as one gay guy asking another gay guy to go out for dinner, which would would might come across as offensive because they made fun of it. Exactly. Yeah. No, and I de- and I totally see that as yeah. well. But even just the way they play off of it after the fact and Murray's like nobody even called in. Nobody right. wanted to to say anything about my my performance. And uh oh, what's his name? The producer or the uh Lou. Lou, thank you. Lou is Mr. just Matt. like, "Oh, people called. Everybody called in after your segment with Eric Matthews to see how your how your dinner went." Nah. So it still kind of is is hamming it up and playing, yeah. making fun of it. I, I guess, yeah, at its own expense, which I see now. Right. Um, but that that like you wouldn't. Nobody else would have had the balls to do that, even just as kind of a no, a no, lighthearted. Was, true. Like thing. I I can't picture. The Dick Van Dyke Show, or or oh, no. I Love Lucy, or any of the comedy shows prior to Mary mm-hmm. Tyler Moore Show, even tackling that in the innocent, lighthearted way that it this was portrayed. Yes, so. and obviously, yes, and like you said, through the 2012 lens, it looks a bit more progressive than it was, and it's definitely problematic. But at the same time, cute, cute, cute. But that was. Yeah, th- this was such a great episode. It was funny. We were it laughing was very cute. so and much. Th- her physical comedy, as I mentioned before, was oh is excellent. The way she lopes around in bare feet because she wants to be shorter, yeah, is very funny. She's just she she has the the physical gags. Mm-hmm. And even seeing Rhoda come in at the end with you know and and kind of one upping Eric like we were talking yeah. about, and it's like the most tame version of. 
uh, the conversation between Quint and Hooper and Jaws when they're on the boat and they're comparing their scars. Oh, yeah. And trying to one-up each other. <laughs> but the Mary Tyler Moore version where height and weight was an issue. Was an issue. Uh, but I, yes. I like when she said, you won't, you won't guess what, uh, you know, what my problem was in high school or something to that effect. And he's like, you're a fat kid. He's like, hey, shorty, that hurts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. But that was the episode, folks. The uh, Toulouse Lautrec uh, was a fr- is my favorite artist, <laughs> but just really fun, a great time. And uh, so next week, tune in, and we will be discussing obviously episode eight, called "The Snow Must Go On." Put in charge of the station's election coverage, Mary is put to the test when a blizzard completely suspends election results, and the crew threatens to mutiny. So that one, that should be interesting. should be interesting. They are in Minnesota, after all. They get they, a lot of snow. They are. They do get a lot of snow. So obviously, you can reach out to us any way you like. We are on Facebook, Twitter. Uh, we are on Instagram as well. After All Podcasts. So just search for at After All Podcast on all various uh, social medias. You can also reach out to us by email if you want to contact us and uh let us know how do you think we're doing is there anything you'd like us to do differently for next season or for any of these episodes any specific issues that you think we're not touching on or things that you'd like us to touch on you can email us at afterallpodcast at gmail.com again that's afterallpodcast at gmail.com and thanks again to the guys at modern superior for giving us a wonderful home to host our show uh lots of wonderful content there including uh my other podcast that you should definitely check out called a frame apart also on all of the social medias and you can email us there as well so tune into that show give it a give it a listen we always like spreading the love around and of course you can listen to this show on soundcloud google play music stitcher and the pocket cast app and of course itunes so give us a like on itunes subscribe to the show write us a little review uh every little bit counts and makes us a little bit more visible for other people to find the show so thanks for tuning in and uh we'll see you next time (laughs) 